Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. Um, If you are just joining us, so this is part of a series for November 2023. And um, if you are a longtime fan of the show, you know that every November, we here at the How to Write a Book podcast, um, we will do a whole month-long series um, that's dedicated to every single day of NaNoWriMo. So in the past, we have done prompts, we've done inspiration, um, we've done um, like motivational quotes. And so for this season, we're going to be having guest speakers and authors, published, traditionally published authors, uh, self-published, um, all kinds of amazing people on the show. So welcome to one of these episodes. In today's episodes, uh, we're going to be talking to Aledria Hunt, who um, is a prolific author, uh, has written 15 novels, and had just recently published an anthology as well called Warped Lens. Um, What's interesting about um, Ali is that she not only has this mentality of how to face your writing challenges, uh, but she has a really interesting background as far as not just tackling the blank page, but taking in uh, critique feedback, um, and really using that to spur her writing forward. I think it was a really great chat. I hope that you enjoy it as well. And of course, enjoy the show. Thank you. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. Thank you for listening to the How to Write a Book podcast. Now, I want to give a special announcement. So, November is your month of transformation. Get a one-hour coaching session with me by choosing any of the three options, or all three. Option one, join our Patreon for $1. Option two, book a $1 coaching session on coach.me. Option three, leave an Apple podcast review. Send a screenshot to my email and get a coaching spot. Now, you can totally do all three and you'll get three hours of coaching. You can find all of the links to the Patreon, the coach.me, and my email in the show notes. Act fast. This offer is only valid in November to celebrate National Novel Writing Month. All right, writers, go ahead, get to it, and we'll see you soon. Okay, and here we go. All right, welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast. I'm your host, Maciel Valenzuela Casaneda. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. Today, we have a special guest, Alidria Hurt. Oh my gosh, I'm super happy to have you here. You are the author of 15 novels, a little bit about you, born in Pennsylvania, raised in like German towns. You now work at a metaphysical shop. That sounds amazing. Um, first of all, thank you so much for being here. We're, we're really happy to have you. <laughs> thank you, Masi, for having me on. So as you said, I am the author of quite a few novels at this point. I have written short stories that have been both in zines and in anthologies. I have had a couple of traditionally published pieces. I have done pretty well for myself, even for 
even while working, because I have worked my entire career working both as a writer and as a member of the American workforce. So that's kind of been my kind of been my jam. And I think we're coming into National Novel Writing Month again this year, which is like, yes, rock on. I have done National Novel Writing Month since 2005. And actually, uh, several of my novels have actually seen their first iteration during National Novel Writing Month. So I love it. They're very lucky in that respect. Oh, my gosh. Ali, thank you so much. Um, first of all, uh, I just want to say, like, it's actually it's such a uh, privilege to have you here because, um, you know, when we connected, um, it was I was like, oh, OK, you know, you've got like three novels under your belt. Very cool. Short story. Then we kind of chat before this and you hit me with 15 novels. And I was like, yes, this is amazing because the show, it's about how to overcome, you know, like really like saying like, hey, writer's block. Nah, my books, my message, they matter. I mean, so I mean, I, I'm ecstatic. And this is awesome. This is so great. And so, like you said, right in time for National Novel Writing Month, um, which is like something that I connected with you with. I was like, yeah, I mean, I love NaNoWriMo. Um, I love that, you know, it's reached you. It's reached me. It's reached what? How many? Like hundreds of thousands of people. Um, so yeah. I would love to just talk a little bit about like, yeah, so how did you get started, right? That Was that your NaNoWriMo or were you a writer before that? What, what's your origin story? My origin story is literally I started out in text-based RP, text-based role play online with several friends of mine. And one of them, my friend D.E. Morris of the Heritage series, she knew about NaNoWriMo before I did. So the in 2005 she sends me the she sends me this a message I'm dating myself but <laughs> she sends me this a message and she says I bet you could write a book and at the time I had never written anything longer than a short story Oh cool So I'd never written anything longer than the short short story I didn't think I could And then she introduces me to National Novel Writing Month and she says, I want you to do this. And I'm like, I don't think I can. And she's like, I challenge you to do this. And I'm like, "Okay, bet. Let's do it. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) So in 2005, I wrote my first book, 50,000 words across 30 days. And that is not one that I have ever published because it was real rough. (laughs) It was real rough. It was a first effort and it was really very, it it was really kind of heart wrenching because it was dealing with a lot of my personal issues. So I was just like, okay, this book does not need to see the light of day while (laughs) I'm still alive. I'm going to put this in a trunk. (laughs) This is, this is literally a trunk novel. It is never (laughs) going to see the light of day, but. It was my first one and it broke the seal so that I actually felt like I could do it. And then, of course, I went to grad school the next year in 2006. I did not complete NaNoWriMo in 2006, Mm -hmm. but I went on to complete it between like 2007. And I think I've done it almost every year since 2007. Oh, my gosh. 
That's awesome. So you finish for sure a novel um, every year during November and more. Yes. That's amazing. Now, how would you say your writing is, you know, compared to that first, like, you know, that first rough one, which I totally get that one never, never will see the light of day. Hit it, hit in the head of the shovel. Um, how mm-hmm. do you feel like your writing has improved since then? I think my writing has improved a lot. I look back on the stuff that I wrote 10 years ago and I'm like, wow, whoa. Yeah. And I've published some of this. <laughs> I feel that way too. I'm like, maybe I should. Where should this go? <laughs> it's like, oh, and I've published some of this and it has my actual name on it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> but of course you have to go back and you, you either you grow or you die. That is the way it works. Either you continue to grow as a writer or you stagnate and you repeat the same stuff over and over again. So in order for me to be able to keep going, this is something that some of my, some of my proteges that I've had over the years have had a hard time dealing with is that you really have to keep going. You can't rehash the same book over and over again. You have to, you, you eventually have to stop editing. Mm-hmm. You literally, you have to push it out the door yeah. <laughs> because otherwise you're going to sit there and you're never going to publish it. Right. Because you're going to be too scared. And yeah. it's like, okay, yes, somebody's going to look at this and they're going to call it trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's okay. Because that just means it wasn't for them. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And um just going back to, you know, you're either you're either like writing or you're you're growing or you're dying, right? Is that like is that a specific mantra that you have just for writing or is that something you adopted throughout your life? That's like really powerful. Actually I picked it up from a movie called Shawshank Redemption. Oh, I've literally I've never seen it. I know. I know. But Oh, honey, is it 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 has it is the greatest message of hope ever. Yeah. For it to have come from a Stephen King for from a Stephen King short story, a lot of people they automatically assume it's Stephen King short story. It's obviously going to be glory and gory or scary or something like that. No, he actually has some really good short stories that don't deal with blood, guts, gore or anything. Yeah. And Rita Hayworth in the Shawshank Redemption, which is the actual name of the story, is is the basis for the Shawshank Redemption. And it has, other than the fact that two people get shot in it, there's not a whole lot of blood in it. Yeah. Didn't he also write The Green Mile? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he does, he does have that kind of... Um, I would say that that's a certain taste of his when he goes like, I think more short form, you know, more yeah. reality. Yeah. And that's, that's great. Now I'm, I probably just lost like all my listeners now that they know I haven't watched the Shawshank Redemption. I'm just going <laughs> to put that out there. That's my, like, oh, <laughs> the slap on the wrist. Um, but no, that's super great. And so you've carried that, you've carried that through your writing. I'm guessing through life. That's yeah. awesome. The quote is get busy living or get busy dying. Oh, sick. Yeah. Oh, I could feel that. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. It's so true. And clearly, you've done that. You've been there. I mean, let's go back to, like, 
what what could have stopped you? You know, your fears or like, oh, no, this sucks. Or someone says it's trash. You know, did you encounter that along your writing journey? I encountered that from my own internal critic. Mm-hmm. My own internal critic is, as the saying goes, you are your own worst critic. Mm-hmm. My critic has got razor sharp fangs. Damn. Yeah. It is not. It, it ain't playing. And it'll tell me. This is absolutely not worth publishing. Mm -hmm. This is not worth sending out to an editor. This is not worth it. And I just have to look it in the face and go, sure, you can think that. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to hit send anyway, but I'm sure you can think that. (laughs) Yeah. Like publish in your face. Yes. Because literally, if you if you let the internal critic decide things for you, Mm -hmm. it's going to decide things to hold you in a box. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but boxes are small and I don't intend to live in a box. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I love that. That's so true. But, yeah, that's the thing that a lot of. Some of the newer writers that I have that I have learned that I have both learned from and taught over time have a tendency to over edit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like okay, at some point there's the law of diminishing returns. You have to understand that at some point, if you don't publish it, you're just gonna polish it till there's nothing there. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then you're just removing commas and putting commas back in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not that's not good for you. It's mm-hmm. not good for your work. It's not good for your self-esteem because you're you're telling yourself that you're not good enough when there may be somebody out there where you are literally their next favorite author. But you have to publish in order for that to happen. Yes. Yes. I love that. And that's, that's something that like, I also want to, want to ask you. So, you know, you, you faced it. You're like, all right, critic, your own internal critic. I'm going to say no to you. I'm going to publish. Right. And now you're talking about like how, if you don't publish, you know, it kind of hurts your, right. Your, your self-perception. So what's on the other side of that you publish. And then what do you find, you know, as a published author? Well, as the, I think it's Seth Godin who says that obscurity is the biggest thing that you have to that you really have to worry about. Either you say something worth being heard, or nobody hears you. Mm-hmm. Those are the things. The, those are the things you have to worry about. Yes, if you say something worth being heard, there's gonna be people who are gonna be like, "You ain't got no right to no opinion. That opinion sucks." Yeah. But more more and more, especially since the advent of online publishing, it's getting lost in the noise. Mm-hmm. You're more likely to not get anywhere, to get no eyes, to get nothing. And even that'll hurt you a good little bit because you're like, oh, my God, my 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 work, my work is being disregarded. And it's like, no, it's not your work is being disregarded. It's your work is not being seen. And when your work isn't seen, sometimes that hurts you because you're like, well, 
I built it, shouldn't they come? That's not right. how in this world anymore. Right. It used to work. It might have worked that way back when we were first start, starting this whole thing back in like 2011 or something. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it works anymore. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to get you've got to get out there. You got to put some shoe leather behind it. You got to you you got to do the work to get out there and get eyeballs on your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's really interesting that you bring that up because I mean I see it the same way. Like it's a little bit, it's kind of a double edged sword, right? I mean now it's so vast that right you you kind of like it's into the ether and it's in the space at the same time. Um, if you find that niche, if you find like that subgroup of people, cause now, now there's niches and subgroups. Now it's not just, you know, like the YA bookshelf. That's the only place you can get your reads. Now it's, you know, Goodreads, Kindle, all those places. So you can find your people. So that's also the other, the other good side of it. But to find those people, you know, to have them find you, that can also yeah. be really intimidating for, for new writers and for published authors. Yeah. It's, it's, as I, as we go through what we're going through, the growing pains of the publishing world at this at this juncture, because I mean, ebooks change the way a lot of us read. Yeah. But it also some of us doubled down on paper books. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't lose paper. Right. We added ebooks and then we added audio and now we've got added audio books on top of that. And you've got, you've got little niches of people in each section. Cause I know there are some, some of my readers who are just like, they want me to be on audio so bad. They want me to be on audio so bad because it's the, because it's the way they read now. Yeah. And it's like, as soon as I can get it together to get myself on audio, I'm going to get myself on audio because it's like I got a little niche of people that are like, can can we get your book? Can we hear your book? Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to serve those people as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you're you're really trying to, I guess, hone the community that you've you've been really um raising and growing from your books Mm -hmm. um there's something that you said uh, earlier you said a couple of times you said proteges so just for a second i want to just pivot the conversation and ask you um proteges so do you also do like writing groups writing you know tell me more about who are these people i do a little bit of i i've done a core writing group for probably about God, have we been together ten years now? I think oh, wow. so. <laughs> I, I love think that. So we've we we've been together a while. So some of them, some of them have gone on to publish. Mm-hmm. Some of them are still working on publishing, and others have decided that writing is just going to be a hobby that they do when they have time. Mm-hmm. So these are all people we're in different stages in our publishing life. I have published the most out of all of us, but the reality is that for most of us, we've kind of learned from each other 
and taught each uh, we've learned from each other we've taught each other and i'm kind of the one who goes don't think about it so hard just do it mm yeah don't think about it so hard yes it does okay. need a little bit of it it needs a little bit of a push it needs some like it needs some elbow grease behind it but mm-hmm. don't overthink it yeah because yeah. that's that is that is a quick way to get into your own head and to get your fears out in front of you in a way that'll keep you from be, from doing what you need to do yeah oh i i love your approach to writing and publishing i'm curious were you always like this? Were you always just like, this is like, we're just going to face our fears or was this a journey, you know, that, that you maybe made mistakes or face things that you're like, all right, now I'm going to overcome this. Other than the fact that I'm, I'm absolutely sure that sometimes I have jumped the gun mm-hmm. and published things that probably shouldn't have been published and need to be pulled down and reworked. Mm-hmm. Other than that, that's pretty much where it's been for me is that, I've always, I put out my first short story collection in 2014, and that was my first, like, foray into e-publishing, and I just did it on a whim because I was like, I have full five short stories. I can slap them together in a book, and a friend of mine built a cover for me, and there it went. Off it goes. Object Stories of Things has been out since 2014, and even though I probably could have pulled it down and gotten it a new cover, I haven't really worried about it because the point of the the point of it was the experiment. Mm, yeah. So while I have put more money into some of the other stuff that I've done, like changing covers and looking at looking at actual data on them, certain things have just been allowed to sit. Mm-hmm. And it it just sits there as a monument to the fact that I hit publish the first time and I've been running ever since. Yeah. Now, there is a now last year. Last year, I hit the proverbial wall. I burned out. I burned out because I had been. I let my fear get out in front of me. I let my fears get out in front of me because I said that I wasn't getting anywhere. Mm. And then I realized about three months later that the gremlins are not allowed to live in my head rent free. That is something that I, that I learned from a friend of mine. We call our, we call our plot bunnies and our various little creatures up in our head. We call them gremlins and the gremlins are not allowed to live in your head rent free. Mm-hmm. So regardless of, of whatever else is happening, I have to keep writing mm-hmm. because eventually the gremlins will pay for themselves. <laughs> that is so cool. I love that. I love that. Oh, so did that come from NaNoWriMo? You and your friend came like from, I just, that stuck. I love that. Any more yeah. backstory to that? NaNoWriMo is actually how I met my core writing group. Nice. Yeah. Down here in Savannah, Georgia, we have, a, we usually, we have at least one municipal liaison a year. Oh, I think this year we've got three, but. Sick. 
we've got we've always had at least one and i started going to the i started going to the in person meetups probably 10 11 years ago and i met several of the people who would become my friends and who have stayed my friends over the course of this journey that i've been on Nice. I think it was, I think it was Amethyst Raven who sent me a, sent me a picture of the two of us sitting at one of our first write-ins. Oh, I love that. And we were just like, her comment is, such babies. (laughs) Youngers. Because we were so much younger back then and we had such stars in our eyes about the whole thing and it was, And it was still early enough in the whole, because 30 days, 30 days sometimes seems like a long time. Sometimes it seems really short. Yeah. And when you're slogging through a project, sometimes it both seems very short and very long at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Oh, my gosh. I feel that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's like I've... uh, I have developed a little bit of a challenge with myself to see how fast I can get to 50,000 words. Oh, okay, cool. What's the, what's my current, my current record is to be able to do it in 19 days. Oh, sick. Oh, I love that. I can probably do it in less now, but, but the last time I clocked myself, it took me 19 days. Oh my gosh. That's fantastic. That's awesome. I love that. And just a little bit, like, what's your writing routine during this time? Like during this like heck of crunch. When I do the when I do the nano crunch, I usually try to get a day, if if not a full day, two days ahead. Oh. So yeah, that if I have if I run into a situation where I've got to take a day off, I'm not behind. Yeah. So. But I've also learned that I can write 5,000 words of a click. Nice. So if I've got the, if I get behind, I can still catch up. Yeah. You have like that, that buffer. Yeah. So I try to keep a buffer. And if I can't keep a buffer, then I just, I sit down on my day off and I catch up and then I get ahead again. Nice. Yeah. Because I just, I've realized that the only the only way to lose nano is to just completely give up. Yeah. Literally, yeah. Because the reality is even if you don't get to 50,000 words in 30 days, if you can get a consistent habit going on, you have won. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. It's about getting back into it or starting it, getting that spark, you know? Yeah. yeah. The only thing I ever say to my other nano peeps is do not publish that immediately after you finish it. <laughs> publish. This is a masterpiece. Done. <laughs> yeah. Do not do that. Do do at least a read through to make sure there's no like egregious plot holes or, you know, like you didn't change POVs or tenses in the middle of the, of the thing because Lord knows we will do that. I'm guilty. Yep. 
and yeah. like at least give it a read through before you do before you hit publish. <laughs> Just read it at least. Mine, you can't even understand mine. So like mine needs like you know that's hard elbow grease. You know, I gotta go in and like you know, work on it. Work on it. Yeah, totally. I love that, man. Yeah. You know your your style, your approach to writing and publishing, it's really inspirational because it's really like kind of just saying, you know, go for it, believe, um, no stress, no stress about it. Like it's all gonna be okay, you know? I I love that you you also acknowledge that those other books, you know, they're up there and maybe they, you know, shouldn't be up there. I I know what you mean. Uh but you're like, hey, it's a testament that I did it. That's that's super great. That's inspiring, you know, because some people are like terrified, terrified to push that button. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people, they, they, like I said, they let their fear get out ahead of them. Yeah. And if your fears are out there ahead of you, if you're not taking them down as you go, they're going to stay out there and they're going to ambush you every chance they get. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that, that, like the gremlins, the gremlins are, they're, yeah, they are, They'll throw anything at you. They'll throw everything at you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The stuff that lives in your, the stuff that lives in your head lives, lives a full life with you. Yeah. It knows where all your weak points are. Yeah. It knows where, it knows exactly where to hit you. So if you don't, if you don't get, get yourself pulled together to take that, it's going to win every time. Yeah. Absolutely. So give yourself give yourself grace if you're afraid, but do it scared. Yeah. Do it scared. Yes. Yes. And and of course speaking of, of doing it scared, let's talk about your books. I would love to know more and I'm sure my audience would love to know more about your series, your world. What are your books about? Okay, the first series that I ever finished was the Fate Circle Saga. The Fate Circle Saga is the story of we start out with a king who is 300 years old and his entire point is he wants to rule the world. But cool. what you find out later is that he's actually cursed to live forever because the person that he was that he was going to rule the world with passed away early early in the attempt. And then she gets reborn into the body of somebody else in book one. Oh, wow. So suddenly he's got to deal with the fact that not only is he trying to take over the rest of the, the rest of the world, but now he's got his former flame in somebody else's body that he's trying to acquire as well. Oh, wow. I love that. That sounds super great. So that is that's the first series. And this is the series that if my mother had not decided that she loved the book so much, there would not be a book two and three. Oh, really? She read the first book and she she sat me down and she said, where's the rest of the story? Oh, I love that. That's so nice. And so I wrote books two and three. Specifically because I had a story that I still need to finish telling for my mother. <laughs> oh, 
I love that. And so that that series is complete and that you gave series it to her? is complete and wrapped up and she wants a book four, but I refuse to go back. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we're done. We're done. <laughs> we're done now. That's really sweet. That's awesome. And, and what am, yeah, yeah, go I ahead. have I have the She Becomes Death series, which is three books and three novellas right now. So it's all together six pieces, which I have another three, maybe six books ahead of me in that one. <laughs> oh, depending I love on, that. Depending on if I can wrap it up in three books or not. <laughs> and uh, just a quick question. So are you a plotter or a dancer? I'm a little bit of both depending on the project. Oh, cool. Okay. So like, with an established world, like the She Becomes Death series, I have to plot that at least a little bit mm-hmm. because I have to pull threads from earlier books in order for you to understand what's going on. Yeah. So Expensive. I have to go back and I have to look at things and I have to pull the threads a little bit and I have to do a little bit of weaving in order for that to work. But normally I sit down, especially at nano time, I sit down on the, on day one and say, okay, guys, give me something. (laughs) Knock it loose. (laughs) And just go full bore in whatever direction my brain has decided it wants to go in starting on day one. Nice. And that's how I've gotten, that's how I got hush. That's how I got Dark King Rising. That's how I got 13. (laughs) Like, these are all, these are all books that I've written sort of as standalones that have, that have just become their own thing. Mm -hmm. Like Dark King Rising, the elevator pitch for Dark King Rising is what happens if a writer's imaginary friend becomes real and starts killing people? Oh my gosh. I love that. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to go find your book on Amazon. That one for, you know, uh, cause you have so many. I was like, which am I going to choose? Like, okay, that's the one. That's the one I need. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's cool. And that's a standalone. That is a standalone. That's awesome. And that one, like you said, like you just sat down and you're like, come on, plot bunnies. Let's go. Yeah. That's br- brilliant. Now, yeah. do we covered, I think we were, were, did we cover another saga? You said you had three, right? Or? I have two major, two major series and like a bunch of standalones. Cool. <laughs> so I've got a bunch of standalones and I've done several anthologies. I think, I think my favorite book that I have that was done by traditional publishing was Alice which I did with Mocha Memoirs Press. And Alice is the story of what happens if your mom becomes a superhero to save you from the zombies. Oh, that's cool. It's a part road trip story, part um, mother-daughter saga, part um, there's a Cthulhu-esque monster in it. That's awesome. It's all, it's a big mashup of stuff and it's like, I just said, okay, let's, let's do this. <laughs> that is so cool. I already like, 
I can foresee that whole journey being like a whole other, like, like we have to sit down again and be like, let's talk about how this book came to be. Cause that sounds amazing. And okay. So then if we're jumping off just a little bit. So you have different series and you have different standalones. So some of them you kind of plot and some of them you'll just go jumping in. So what's your editing process like? My editing process has evolved over time Mm -hmm. because it used to be that I would just like give it a read through check and make sure that the, that like it wasn't egregiously awful in any way. And then I would just publish it. Yeah. I've gotten a little more extensive over time Mm -hmm. in that now I do like, I'll do two passes through it. One pass is for making sure that there's no egregious plot holes. And then the second pass is making sure that the language all makes sense. Mm, Yeah, that's important. Because like, Hence shifts and POV weirdness and head hopping. And I'm like, I'm terrible at head hopping. (laughs) I'm I'm terrible at uh, hence shifts. Like, I'll be like, present, past, present, past, present, past. I'm like, when did this happen? I totally feel you. (laughs) It's like, when, what, what was I doing? Oh, wait, I was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Is she running or was she running? Did she run? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you do two passes and then, and then wraps it up. And that wraps it up for the most part because I don't, because I believe in the law of diminishing returns as far as editing is concerned. There's only so much editing I'm willing to do before I realize that I'm just procrastinating on publishing. Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I know a lot of people who they know it's like 60 rounds of revision sometimes, you know? Yeah. Right. Then diminishing returns at that point. Yeah. It's also one of the bad things. And one of the few downsides I have about working with a group of people in a writer's critique group Mm -hmm. is that if you are taking too much critique Mm -hmm. and trying to rebuild your story based on the critique, Mm -hmm. you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. doing your story a disservice. You can't, it, through, like, creativity is not really a committee process. Mm-hmm. And, yes, if you are, if you are especially very new, you are going to need critique in order to know where your weak points are. Mm-hmm. But once you know where your weak points are, like the fact that I have a tendency to forget a and and the, mm-hmm. because I speak I speak enough of three different languages that a and and the occasionally just disappear. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay, since I know that that's one of my weak points, I go back and I look to make sure that any time I needed one of those, I, I actually have it <laughs> yeah. as opposed to my brain just saying, Oh, that's there. No, yeah. it's not actually there. If it's not there in black and white. Yeah. yeah. So instead of, instead of saying, let me find every possible flaw, you're saying, what are my weak points? And let me just go and address that. Because that's where you yeah. know that's what needs improvement. And everything else is sturdy. It's good. It's good to go. Yeah. A and and the, the overuse of that, the... <laughs> I 
I do that too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like when I do first person, the word that is in there like 5,700 times and I'm like, okay, I don't need that. So mm-hmm. let's take that out and take it out and take it out and take it out. Oh, wait, it needs to be there. <laughs> Got you. Yeah. And then, but no, I don't go through and I try to find every single flaw. That's what editors are for. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you self edit, you self edit to get it clean enough to let it, to let a new set of eyes look at it. And then once you've let a new set of eyes look at it and they've decided that it's like, okay, this might need to be adjusted. It's one of like, Heinlein's old rules used to be that you would only change to editorial request. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So as long as it's clean, you can send it to the editor. Yeah. Let them, let them determine whether or not it's not clean. Right. Yeah. And actually I I do love Heinlein's rules. Going back to that. I I don't think I've done an episode on them, but, um, I mean, they're so straightforward. The five rules that if you just follow that, you'll be, you'll, you'll feel. I think you're, you will feel more confident because it's simple, straightforward, right? Editorial review, we pretty much then publish, publish yeah. market. It's yeah. like write, finish what you write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only change it to editorial review. Keep it out until keep it out until it publishes. Right. And then write the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And going back to what you were saying, you know, you can't just you can't just keep going at it. You have to let it go. You have to push it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Allie, this has been very great. I'm like super happy that we touched base. And actually, I feel like your voice is so um, it's so inspiring. It's really like, you know, like, hey, just do it. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what you're going to be doing you know, this November. Actually, yeah. What are you doing this November? Do you already know? I have no idea. Just gonna go for it. I'm just gonna sit down day one and be like, okay, I need six, uh, I, I need 1,667 words. Mm-hmm. Let's see what comes out. <laughs> I love that. Let's <laughs> go for it. I like that too. You know, sometimes I'll try to, to plot and then I'm like, I just can't. It's just too much for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, it's like Preptober is, Preptober is good mm-hmm. if that's your thing. Yeah. If that's yeah. your thing, then yeah, sure, go for it. But if it's not your thing, it just gives you anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. I like Preptober for like all the extra stuff. Like I'm going to go buy myself some extra like pumpkin flavored coffee and some extra candles. That's how I like my Preptober goes. You know, I'm prepping for November. <laughs> like it's going to get all this stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So, Allie, um, this has been an amazing conversation. You're not just inspiring, but I love how you really approach your writing. It's really refreshing, especially, I think, for my audience here, uh, the audience of the How to Write a Book podcast. Um, where can people find you and find what you're going to be doing next? I am on my newsletters on Substack. So I am sistagool.substack.com. And my primary, uh, my primary social media is Instagram. Nice. Where you can find me at Aledria E. Hurt. Awesome. 
And are there any other notes um, or anything that we forgot that you want to um, share? Oh, you know what? You mentioned that you just released um, the the Twitch anthology, I believe. Did you want to also? Yeah. Warped Lens. Warped Lens is done by me and a couple of other Twitch writers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do a lot of us. We do like daytime streaming on Twitch. So you can find The Lady Writes, Kendar, uh, Telen Artho, sometimes myself. I, I haven't been on as much as I probably should be lately. And several other people where we were in a horror anthology that came out in September. Awesome. Awesome. And it's called Warped Lens. Warped Lens. L-E-N-Z. L-E-N-S. Nice. That's awesome. Congratulations. And congratulations to everyone on there. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Okay. Well, thank you so much, Allie. Um, We'll go ahead and wrap this call, but from the How to Write a Book podcast, it's been super lovely to have you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me on, Masi. Definitely. Anytime. And I would love to have you back on again. So, Thank you, and we'll catch you right after. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at MasielWrites. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks.